I'd like to say to all of the fathers, Happy Father's Day. Either you are one, or you have one. I think all of us might have had a father, probably. Whether he was present in your, in your life or not. grateful that he is our father. Perfect example. The Lord's really uh, given me a heart for men. And, you know, there's a lot of good women's ministries, a lot of female ministers that focus a lot on women, which is great. You can name a few, but... Um, you hear less and less of specific ministries that are focusing directly on the men and the fathers, and I, and I think that we need to return that focus because of the fact of what he's called us to be and our role in the house, not to diminish the role that a woman has, absolutely not, but I do believe that the Lord has ordained men to take a position in life and because of so many men that do not, we are in a position in this country um, that isn't, <laughs> it's almost like a rudderless ship. I read a stat statistic this morning that 40%, I couldn't believe it, I had to look three different places, 40% of children that are born today are to single mothers. 40 Four out of every ten kids born is born to a single mother. We need to change that. Yeah. It's not surprising that we as a nation are where we are when I hear when I hear that stat. It doesn't surprise me at all. It well, it does surprise me, but when you look at the state of state of where we are, it is it really uh, speaks some things. So I want to look today at two men that demonstrate, one demonstrates uh, what a father should not be and one that sh demonstrates how we should be. And whether you are, maybe you don't have children, that's okay, you still can be a fatherly or a mentor, a fatherly role or a mentor to, to young men. So just because maybe you don't have biological children, you can find a young man to mentor, because as I mentioned to you before, in other occasions, that I'm a firm believer that we are to be, at all points of our life, to be mentored and also be mentoring. Find someone that you can go to to say, you know what, would you be someone who would hold me accountable, uh, what I call an iron friend. And then also, in the same token, finding someone who you can be that accountability partner to or for or someone that you're mentoring and encouraging in the ways of the Lord. So let's look first here briefly in Exodus 23. Excuse me, Exodus 24.
uh, starting at verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. Then Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. Remember that. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. You know, it's, uh, we see here that Mo the Lord spoke to Moses that he had something that he had to do. And Moses, in turn, goes, and he, as he's getting ready to leave, he turns to the people, and he doesn't leave them naked. He doesn't leave them coverless. He doesn't leave them fatherless. He says, here we go. In my absence, I have these two that are going to be the ones that you need to go to. Now, mind you, Moses is gone for 40 days, right? But during this time, he said, I'm going to keep the, or have these guys watch over you. So just like when Jesus ascended, he didn't leave us comfortless. When Moses, in his absence, he said, I have, so we see scriptural for make sure that we have a covering in the absence of our, the father of the house, which is what pastors always done as well. You know, and, and speaking of which, I'm grateful for those that have, that have really stepped up and, and helped in, in pastor's absence. I just want to say thank you. Mentioned it last week, but Anthony has, has been helping with the Wednesday night Bible study. If you haven't been there the last three weeks, I think he's done it. You've missed out. He's done a great job. He's doing it again this week, so I encourage you um, to make a point to come on Wednesday evening. Also, different things. I know Christy has helped out with visiting people that have been ill and different things, so we're, we're grateful for that. People that have stepped up and, and filled a role. I'm thankful. But we see here that Moses does not leave them co coverless or naked, as it were, exposed. But he takes Joshua with him, his assistant, and they go to the mountain. We see the cloud descends, and the glory of the Lord, it says here in verse 16, rested on Mount Sinai. Can you imagine? That the glory of the Lord rested. So cool. The cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses went on to the mountain forty days and forty nights. Joshua stayed. He did not go as far as he did. So we have the people are here. Moses and Joshua leave. They get to a certain point of the mountain, and Moses continues to ascend, and, and Joshua stay, stays and waits. And the glory of the Lord was so evident, you could see it with your physical eyes to the point where the people could see the fire on the top of the mountain. So this doesn't was something that Moses experienced. It was a true physical phenomenon that was occurring here. It's pretty cool. Well, let's see what happens while he's there. We know throughout the time that Moses is there, he is speaking or hearing from the Lord. But if we go back down the mountain, 
go back where the people are. Let's turn to verse, or chapter 32. Verse 1, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed. They saw that Moses delayed. Mind you, we were just read at the end of chapter 23, he was gone for 40 days and 40 nights. The guy's gone for not even six weeks. And they are saying, oh, he's delayed. You know, sometimes we've spoken in the past that the Lord has typically three answers for us. Some is yes, some is no, and sometimes it's slow. The Lord may delay what it is that we are asking for. He may say, not right now. Are we going to get discouraged in his delay, or are we going to continue to trust? If you're believing for a healing and, the, and you don't get it the exact moment that you ask for it, are you going to continue to trust and believe in the Lord if something is delayed? Well, the problem here is <laughs> they lost heart and they fell into disobedience when Moses delayed. What they felt was a delay. Continuing on here, the delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together. Now, there is power in people gathering together. We see that demonstrated over and over and over throughout cities, throughout the country, where people are getting together to, to demonstrate some type of, something where they are uh, dissatisfied with something. And you have people that are doing things that they normally, in and of themselves, if there are two or three people, they would never do. But through the mass of people, through the anonymity of the crowd, people begin to do things they normally would never do because they feel like, hey, if I do this, It'll just get lost in the sea of all the people, and I won't be held accountable for my actions. So they massed together, and they came to Aaron. We've seen in other situations where people have massed together, said, hey, let's, let's come together and make us a tower that we might reach the heavens. I've often thought about that Tower of Babel, how, how high the Lord really allowed that to get before he caused it to cause the confusion to come. That would have been quite a sight. And I think about these, these monstrous towers that we have, like in Dubai and so forth. I wonder how this one compared to that. Some of the weird things that I think about. But we also know... There is power in coming together and having one heart and one voice, as we also see that in, the, in Acts in chapter 2, where they came together in one accord. So the same terminology is used in the Tower of Babel, where they came together in one heart and one accord. That they were using had an intention of evil, whereas in chapter 2, their intention was good, where they had one accord in one place. And when that happened, there was a sound from heaven. So there is going to be something that's going to happen if we have one heart and we're in one accord. We just have to decide what is our motivation. Is our motivation for something evil or is our motivation for the glory of the Lord? But no matter what, if you are in one accord, something is going to happen. So they came together to, together to Aaron and they said to him, Come Make us gods that we shall.
shall go, or that shall go before us. Come make us gods that shall go before us. I was looking at it, I was trying to think about, okay? These are the people that just saw, we mentioned it last week, saw the, the miracle of the Red Sea crossing. This wasn't three generations later. This wasn't the fault of the grandfathers who had not re rehearsed the goodness of the Lord in their ears. This was not that situation. That happens later, yes. But this is not that situation. So I, I was curious, how long in days or years or weeks, how long had it been since the Red Sea, Red sea crossing? So I looked it up in my chronological Bible, right? According to the chronological Bible, and how exactly they pin it down in these days, it's not super important, but even if they're off by a little bit, it doesn't really matter, okay? But according to the chronological Bible, the Red Sea crossing happened on our calendar. would have been the equivalent of April 17th, 1462 B.C. April 17th, one day before Pastor's birthday. When this moment, this golden calf experience, I just gave it away the punchline, but you know what's happening here. You know when this was? July 16th, same year. Not even 60 days. 60 days from the time that they just saw one of the greatest miracles. They were faced with utter death. Before them was a, a physical sea that they could not cross. And behind them was a literal army that was chasing after them to either take them back into slavery or to kill them for leaving. Either way, it wasn't a good option. 60 days, 59, 60 days, whatever, 72 days, whatever you want to say, less than three months later, here they are saying, Moses delayed. Man, I haven't worshipped anything in a little bit. Aaron, what should we worship? How fickle we can be as people. Lord, you haven't done anything for me in two weeks. You haven't blessed me in over a month. We have these deliverances in our lives. Each of you can, in your mind, look back at a time and see the unmistakable hand of the Lord moving. There's a reason why they would build an altar to commemorate the hand of the Lord moving. So that, remember, what mean these stones? What is it? Why do we have this? Why we have, right when you walk in, if you go up the ramp, you'll see we have a pile of rocks there, and then the scripture is inscribed in the one stone. What mean these stones. What is it about these? Why is it that these are here? So that generations to come can look back and we can say, these commemorate and these denote the goodness of our God. Less than 60 days. Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as this Moses the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt. There's the problem. Did you hear what they just said? For this Moses, the who? The man who brought us out of Egypt. 
That's why they were so fickle. They were giving the credit to a man. They were not seeing the, the miracle that occurred and giving the glory to the Lord, but they were attributing those things that happened. Yes, the Lord used him. We don't deny that. But it was still the working and the power of the Lord that delivered them, but they couldn't see that. And they were saying, Moses, the man, he's left us. He's gone. We don't know what has come of him. So therefore, who else are we going to turn to? I guess, Aaron, we need you to make us something. No matter who they are, no matter what state they level that you have placed them in, man will fail you every time. Every time. And if you are placing your trust and your endurance in the Lord in man, when they fail you, it will shake your faith. So many people, when they see these revered ministries fall, their personal walk with the Lord completely crumbles. Because once again, just like they're saying here, the man who brought us out of Egypt, if you've been healed and the person that prayed for you, if you're grateful for them, that's misplaced appreciation. Because all the Lord did was utilize them for his glory. And if that man or woman who prayed for you falls, that doesn't take away from what the Lord did through them. Because here's the thing. Man will fail all the time, but the glory of the Lord will continue to be revealed in this earth. No matter if it's you that he's utilizing or somebody else down the street. But his word will continue. His glory will continue. Will you choose to be a part? That's the question. I myself say, yes, Lord, use me. For your glory. Not that I be lifted up, but that people would see you high. As this man Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, who brought us out of this slavery, this bondage, the sin that Egypt is so attributed to, a focus was on the man. We do not know what has become of him. You know, it's interesting, the timing of this message. This is now the third Sunday pastor's been gone. Do we start to waver and to say, well, pastor's been gone. If you look to a man like that, then you will. Well, I don't need to really go to church this week because pastor's not here. Or I, I don't know what to do, where to go with this. Or pastor normally prays with me about these things. Pastor, myself, people have called me for prayer. And sometimes I think to myself, certainly I don't want to discourage this. So, so don't take this the wrong way. Okay? We are to come together, and if you need prayer, to be asked for prayer. But however, we also, when with that rent veil have free access to the throne of the Lord ourselves. If pastor is not available, if you call him and he doesn't answer, that doesn't mean that you can't pray yourself. That doesn't mean that you can't approach the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your protection. I need your whatever it is that you need in that moment. 
You can go to the Lord yourself. Now, once again, I'm not discouraging you from calling us. That has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean, right? But I am saying to you, I'm encouraging you to know that you too can go to the throne room of the Lord because of that rent veil. Because of that blood that was shed for you, you too can go. In pastor's absence, do you then in turn, because sometimes it's good, <laughs> maybe that he doesn't answer the phone. Maybe that's a good thing, because when you go to the Lord yourself and you see his hand move, what are you going to do? You're going to be encouraged in that. Hey, wow. Well, I need pastor and those are in the house with me. But thank you, Lord, that you hear me too. I know you hear pastor's prayer, but thank you that you hear mine too. That's awesome. Or the flip side is, if you imagine... You know, typically, uh, Sister Carol puts flowers out here, plants flowers both in the pot and, and up the walkway. And I know Damaris has helped this year a little bit with that too. But, you know, <laughs> especially in July when it gets really hot and if we don't water them during the week, when Sister Carol gets here during, on Sunday, they're kind of <laughs> wilted over, yeah? They don't have that watering. So in... In pastor's absence, are you like that wilted flower because you're not continuing to water in this word yourself? Are you drying up? Do you not have that source that you're going to yourself? Let's move on. So they came to Aaron and they said, what shall we do? We don't know what's become of Moses. This one Aaron who was left in charge of the people. His response is so disappointing. And Aaron said to him in verse 2, Break off your golden earrings, which I turn your ears of your wives, your sons, and daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which are in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. The thing that is disappointing with Aaron, he was very concerned. That's what happens a lot of times with fathers. He was very concerned with the opinion of men. They're asking me for something to worship. It would be more difficult for him to stand there and say, what do you mean? We worship the Lord, our sole king. No, but instead, he knew what they wanted. He said, make us something that we can worship. Not can we go and worship the Lord, but they said, make us something that we may worship. So what does Aaron do? Hmm, no, I don't want him to be mad at me. I don't want to disappoint these guys. Or I, don't, I don't want them to tell on me when Moses gets back and that I didn't do I, you know, what they wanted me to do and they don't like me. So we cowered to their wants. How many times as fathers do we have a situation where our kids come to us and they want, especially the fun guy, right? Mom's always the heavy and dad's the fun guy, right? Dad, can we blah, blah, whatever it is. My kids always ask me for candy, always. Because they know the response they'll get from her. And I have no idea, because she, here's the thing, that my response is always, I don't know, ask your mom, because she knows what you've eaten today. <laughs> you know, I come home at 5.30, whatever, 6 o'clock, and they're like, hey, Dad, can I have some candy? I don't know. Did Mom take you to get ice cream already today? Oh, yeah, yeah, she did. Bust it. Bust it. 
dad fun guy, right? Hey, dad, can we, whatever? Well, I don't want them not to like me. I've been gone all day, working. I don't, I want to be the fun guy. So they'll like me as a dad, and, and we'll be closer that way, right? Right? That's our justification. We'll be closer, Anthony, if my kids like me, and when they get older, we'll, as a grown man, they'll be my friend. They'll go from being my son. You got three, they'll go from being my son to being my friends. That's exactly what every father wants. Right? You transition from a father-son relationship. It still always will remain a father-son relationship. But John, I can imagine your relationship with Jonathan has changed over the last 10 years. It's transitioned into a more a, a, a collegial relationship where you're almost as peers, where they still rely on you for, for your guidance, but it completely transitions, where you're not having to tell them why to do things or tell them to do things, but it's a, now they're coming to you and say, hey, Dad, what do you think about this? That's what we all want. But in order for me to guarantee that in their 20s, I had to make sure when they're in their teens that, that, that I, they like me because otherwise they'll never come to me, and I don't want to have that relationship when they're older. And that's all the things that go through our mind. And that's exactly what Aaron is doing here. He said, I want them to like me. I want them to give a good report back to Moses. That he, he'll say, Aaron did a good job while you were gone, Moses. So what does he say here? Take your earrings off. Verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand. Powerful verse right here. Aaron made a decision. He made two decisions. First of all, he told them to give me your gold. But not only did he do that, he could have said, you know what? Wait. You know what, guys? Never mind. Have it back. We need to worship the Lord. But not only did he take the gold, but the next words we see here in verse 4, powerful word, he received them and he fashioned it with an engraving tool. Not only was it his idea to give me all of your gold, but then he molded this thing that they were going to worship. That's a big deal. Not only was it, we talked about idols last week, not only was it his idea of how we're going to create this thing, but then he himself physically fashioned this golden calf, this high priest, Aaron. And he made a molded calf. This was all on him. It was all on him. He had every opportunity to redirect these people. Moses, their leader, told them, in my absence, look to Aaron. They came to him, just like they asked him to, or they were told to, I should say. And he had an opportunity at that moment to direct them the right way or the wrong, and he caved into their pressure. This is all on him. Just like dads, all on us. Sad to say, it's true. And he says here, the end of verse 4, not only did he mold this thing, but look at the credit that he gives to it. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What blasphemy. Not only did he make this idol for them to worship, but he gives them the credit for the greatest deliverance that we've ever seen. Short of the cross. Gives it credit to something that he fashioned himself. 
Then he tries to kind of, he's like, whoa, those words just came out of my mouth. He tries to marry that with some kind of something, a feast here. He says, oh, in verse 5, so when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and, and he made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. <laughs> we got a golden calf that delivers us, but we're also going to, to marry that with a feast of the Lord. And so many times we have these idols in our lives, remember we talked about last week, that we want the Lord to bless. This idol worship that we have in our lives. We want the Lord and say, Lord, will you please marry that with my worship with you? Because, Lord, I, I genuinely do want to worship you. I don't believe that anybody under the sound of my voice is a true 100% idolater. But so many times we have these things that we don't want to get rid of. And we're asking the Lord, Lord, will you bless that so that I can bring it along with me, along with my worship to you? That's exactly what Aaron is doing here. He molded this calf, gave it the credit. But then he's saying, oh, we're going to enter that and bring that along with a feast to the Lord. Then they rose the next day in verse 6, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play for the lot. And that, those words right there, they rose up to play. Looking on here. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down. We see the emphasis here with an exclamation point. Go get down. For your people who I brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Now mind you, the very presence of the Lord is on this mountain speaking and having communion with Moses. And he still saw them. Hmm. He still saw them in their idol worship. He sees us. Can't get away from it. He says, go get down. Verse 8. They have, this is the Lord continuing to speak to Moses, they have turned aside and quickly out of the way which I have commanded. They turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded. They have made for themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They've turned aside quickly. This is the reason why I encourage you to be in church. If you think about, there have been many times people have come to me after an extended period of time away from the house of the Lord. Without exception, there was some level of discouragement in their life. Whether it was, I haven't really been reading very much, or my prayer life is a little bit weak right now, or I haven't been really guarding my eyes or my ears, or, or you know, whatever it is. I'm talking about an extended period of time. I'm not saying you can't go on vacation. I'm not going to say you're never going to be sick. But I'm talking about an extended period of time where we have been gone. And they came back and said, yes, I'm so glad that I was gone. I feel even better than when I was here before. 
In Hebrews 10, 25 and 26, let's look at that. Excuse me, uh, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another. That's why we're mentioning this today, because I'm considering you to encourage you to make this a priority for your life. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, the more you see the day approaching. Do you feel like that the day is more approaching today, in 2017, than it was when it was, this was penned by the author of Hebrews? Do you feel like the day is more approaching? Absolutely. So if he says more so as the day is approaching, now this is not just an argument for you to come to church for the sake of coming to church. This is certainly not an argument for you to come to church so you make sure that you give your tithe and offerings. We've already said on many occasions, we, the Lord will bless no matter who it's provided for, so we're not here for your money. But I was thinking about this from a different perspective this morning. So many times we think, well, you just want me to be there for something I'll receive. But what about this? What if somebody in the house needed something that you could have given? She's not here now. She had to go home. She started feeling ill as soon as she got here this morning. But a few weeks back, there was an adoration that came out of Amber in service. Those of you that were here, you remember, there was something that we haven't heard in some time, especially from her. But there was an adoration that came out of her, a song of the Lord, an exaltation that was so pure. And there were several people that came up to me and said, whoa, that was something. Now, had she chosen just to stay home that day and not come, we could have possibly missed out on that particular adoration. If there is something that somebody else needs, a word of life, we had several words that were given today. Had you stayed home, those may have not come out. Because somebody else may not have been obedient. Yes, the Lord may have spoken to someone else. We can't say it both ways. You can't say, well, if it's not me, it's going to be somebody else. But we also have to have somebody who is willing to surrender. So if somebody else doesn't surrender, then those words the Lord desired to speak today would have been silent. So I thank the ladies that were obedient, first of all. But secondly, we think about the fact of if you're not here, that does not happen. So it's not always about, oh, well, pastor wants me to be there because of what I'm going to get. No, what if it's pastor wants us to be there so that we can give? What if somebody else miss, misses out on something because we just decide to stay home? And what I'm talking about is making this a big rock in your life. Once again, I understand there are situations where you may have to work periodically. I get it. There are situations, certainly, that we want you to be able to go on vacation with your family without question. There are times where you have a, either you're not feeling well or one of the kids is sick. We get that, 100%. But what I'm talking about is making it a big rock in your life. Are you planning your week around the fact of, Gretchen and I have a shared calendar. Typically on Sundays we go through and say, what do we got going on this week? Especially this past week was ridiculous. 
Unbelievable. At one point or another, we had one, two, three, four, four nephews and nieces, a sister, all my kids, two dogs, partridge and a pear tree staying in my house. Oh, one moment. That was just one day. So we, we typically will go through and we look at the calendar. Okay, what's going on this week? Okay? There are certain things in my family, and this is what I'm talking about as a father, what precedent are you going to set? There are certain things in my house. There has never been one time, and this is how I was raised and how I've raised my kids, there has never been one occasion where my kids woke up on a Sunday morning and asked me, Dad, are we going to church today? Not once. Because there is never a question whether or not we are going. If we're on vacation, different situation. Not what I'm, I'm talking about. There was actually, I think, our most recent vacation, if I recall, we drove 22 straight hours, and we got home at like, I don't know, 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever. When we woke up, the kids were surprised on Saturday. Uh, kids were surprised that we actually didn't get up and go to church. We initially had planned to stop. We were going to go to the, um, the Ark, whatever it's called, Encounter, and stay over and so forth. But we ended up saying, no, we're not going to do that. Let's just continue on and drive through. By then, like I said, after 22 straight hours, I was blown out. There's no way I could even get up and be remotely. I had already planned to have everything covered. I wasn't supposed to be back on Sunday. But my point is that even on that day, when they woke up and it was past church time, they're like, wait, how come you didn't wake us up for church? Is it that the type of situation, that the type of pattern that you're setting in your home, dads? Or is it, well... You know, I went to uh, get together with my friends, and we got home kind of late, so I guess we're not going to go this week. That is sending a message to our children that, hey, if the rest of my life is too busy, eh, gathering together with my community here in the house is optional. So I'd be careful to the messages that we're sending our children by our actions. The old expression, you speak so loud, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. For me, growing up, I was always afraid I was going to miss them. I came, and I still do, come expecting every single week to receive and to give to the Lord so that I don't ever want there to be a situation where I was going on vacation and whatever, and no offense to you guys, but I want that to be the most boring service that there ever is. Because I don't want to come back and be like, oh, we had an unbelievable move to the Lord. Everybody was all over the place. We didn't even have the pastor David speak. Worship went on for three hours. Oh, man, I missed it. But that's what I want us, every single, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And what's what we're longing for so much that all of us, would come together on a Sunday morning with that type of expectation. Because then we'll be in one accord, in one place, and we'll hear it loud. Roaring from heaven. I really don't want there to be boring services when I'm gone. I'm just joking. But I don't ever want to miss either. Let's look on here. Continue reading. We keep going. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And indeed, it is a stiffed 
stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them and make of you a great nation. That last phrase right there left out of me that I hadn't really noticed before. Moses was going to be a great nation no matter what. His chosen one, Moses, would have been made great. Oh, he's just one man. So was Abraham. So the Lord was going to have his people through Moses no matter what. So Moses could have been like, cool, you're right, you know what? They are acting fools down there. Go ahead, burn them up. Joshua and I, we'll find, you know, whatever. We're going to go ahead and start this thing all over again. Go ahead. Consume them with fire. But he didn't say that. He doesn't say that. Verse 11. Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? So here he is reminding the Lord of what he's just done and who they are. Then, he was also concerned with the reputation of the Lord. Watch this. Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them, out of, brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and consume them from the face of the earth? So here he is. Not only is, is he worried about protecting the people, but also he's reminding the Lord of his covenant with them. And thirdly, he's, he's concerned with the reputation that the Lord has with even non-Christians. Are we that protective of the reputation of the Lord, making sure that our actions represent who he is? He didn't want the Egyptian people to have any excuse or any reason to say, we're never going to serve him. Look what he does to his people. He delivers them from our hand. Yeah, big deal. But then he took them into the mountains and burned them up. So he pleaded on their behalf. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I give it to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. The Lord was going to judge them right then. But because the people had an advocate. Aren't you grateful that we have an advocate? That will go before the throne just like Jesus does. We see here so many times Moses is acting just like our Savior Jesus and the fact that he says, well, let's continue reading here and you'll see. I want to go back quickly, oh, not back, but uh, jump to Deuteronomy 9. Verse 26. What they're doing in this passage here is they're reviewing the, re the rebellion 
of Israel, and this passage references back in Exodus 32, but in, in 26, chapter 10, and Deut or uh, chapter 9, excuse me, Deuteronomy, therefore I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your inheritance whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people or on the wickedness of their sin, lest the land from which you brought us out should say, Behold, the Lord will not be able to bring them to the land which he promised because he hated them and has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. This is Moses pleading on their behalf. I was thinking about this. What boldness that Moses had. Right in the face of the wrath of God. He was willing to stand right in their way. Are we as fathers, when our children are facing the wrath of something, willing to stand in the gap right in between them in that situation? Are we willing? Moses already knew that no matter what, the Lord would use him. He was safe. He could have said, let him go. Have your way. But no, he wasn't willing to do that. He stood in the gap for them. Let's go back to Exodus 32. Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand, and the tab tablets were written on both sides, one side and the other were written. Now the tablets were the works of God, and the writing was the writing of the God had engraved on the tablets, 17. And, jo and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he heard, or he said to Moses, they, there is a noise of war in the camp. Now mind you, this or these people, they're having this huge party. To the point, as they're coming down the mountain, Joshua could hear it, and he thinks, there's a sound of war. Are we going to battle? So if you imagine these people, as they go to war, typically the sounds and the noises they make is not just, okay, guys, getting ready to go to battle. You've heard war cries in movies, right? This is what we're talking about. These are the types of things that they are hearing as they're coming down the mountain. In 18, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. 19. So it was, as soon as they came near to the camp, he saw a calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. He cast the tablets out of the hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf in which they made, burned it in the fire, ground it into powder, and he scattered it on the water and made them, the children of Israel drink it. Reminded me of the video that Drea posted this week whenever kids were drawing with crayons all over the wall and all over everything, right? Those that saw that video. Instead of just scolding them and saying, don't do that anymore and punishing whatever fashion of punishment that they got, which I'm sure they probably got anyway, 
But she also did, took it a step further and said, you know what? Not only are you going to be punished, but also you're going to clean this up. So not only were they being scolded here from Moses, but not only that, but I'm going to take and burn this thing up, grind it up, and you're going to clean up this mess and you're going to drink it. Which drinking gold dust, not so safe. Metallic poison isn't something you really want to mess with. But I think compared to what the Lord had in, in mind for them, they kind of got the easy road. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? Who did Moses blame? Not the people. Who did he blame? The one he left in charge. So fathers, the ones that we are in charge of, let me remind you that we are going to be held accountable. You know, we love it whenever our kids do what we want them to. You know, Aiden will come back from somebody's house and they say, he is so polite. He said, you know, thank you. And all these different things that they're talking about. He, oh, he's such a joy to have come over. So I think, oh, I'm sweet. <laughs> I did a good job raising this kid, right? But then when we see him doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing, or all three of them for that matter, not just Aiden, then I'm like, I, that's, that's just his in nature. That, that's not me. Certainly not. So we want all the credit, but we don't want any of the blame. But who we see here that Moses says, what have you brought on them? And here's the thing that, you know, it's, it's good that Aaron redeems himself later on. But we see here, not only did he cave to these people, but also when he's held accountable to it, his response so disappointing yet again. So here's what he says here. So Aaron says, Do not let your anger, let the anger of my Lord become hot. Speaking to Moses. And you know the people. <laughs> Who's he blaming? You know these people. That they are set on evil. They're just an evil people, Moses. You know that. Come on, man. You know better than anybody else. For they said to me, make us gods that they should go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know where he is. What became of him? And he said to them, whoever has any gold, let him break it off. And they gave it to me. And I cast it in the fire, the fire and poof! Out came this calf! You won't believe it, it was a miracle. We took these earrings and just threw it into the fire and wow, this thing came out. Unbelievable. The Lord must have wanted that to happen because it just popped out of there. But what do we see in verse 4? That he fashioned it. So not only do we see him here caving to their request, blaming others, but now he's bold-faced lying right to his Lord. Aaron, this isn't just some guy. This is why his responses are so disappointing to me. Because this isn't just some random Israelite dude. 
Not even, not even a random a Levite. But this is the high priest Aaron. The one who was held in charge. The one who Moses said, I'm entrusting you, my people as it were. He knew it was the Lord's people. But the people that have been given to me, I'm entrusting them to you, Aaron, while I'm gone. I don't take this lightly. I'm going to meet with the Lord, but I'm giving them into your hands. And the Lord is saying to you, these are my children. You've just been entrusted with them for a short amount of time to train them, to encourage them, to nurture them. What will you do with that responsibility? Are you going to choose to stand in the gap for them and say, Lord, take me. Instead, don't brave your wrath come upon them, but Lord, I will stand in the gap for them. Or are you going to be like Aaron and be like, oh, it was just them, blame them. calf came out. Now when Moses saw the people were unrestrained. Wow. What a word. The people lacked restraint. That word means exposed or naked. No restraint. Are you unrestrained? Would it be said of your children that they lack restraint? We know what we do in moderation, our children will do with license. So if we are unrestrained, what are our children going to look like? If you're unrestrained, what are those that you're mentoring going to look like? The ones that you're speaking into. If you have, you encourage them to do this, you need to pursue the Lord of this, and then your actions don't even match up with the words that you're giving to them. How are they going to adhere to that? They were unrestrained. Why were they unrestrained? Watch this. For Aaron had not restrained them. You see the responsibility that he had here? For their shame among their enemies. So what's Moses do? He stands at the entrance of the camp in verse 26 and says, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi... Gather themselves together, the priests. They gather themselves together to him. In verse 27, And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out of the camp from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. This was their family. These were the children of Israel. But they could not have this wickedness in the camp. There were three, you continue reading on here, there were 3,000 men that lost their lives to the hands of the Levites with their swords. And it was because of the fact that they were the ones that were leading the group, leading the charge when it came to all that revelry and all those different things that they were doing. These were the ones that were held most responsible. It is interesting that Aaron was spared, though. Aaron was spared. Verse 29, Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Separate yourselves. Sever yourselves as a holy people unto me. Why? Because I, the Lord, 
am holy. Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Verse 30. Now it came to pass in the next day that the Moses said to the people, you've committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, watch this. <laughs> Here's a father's heart right here. If not, Lord, if you can't forgive them, then blot me out. Blot me out. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar to somebody else? I said, Lord, send me. I'll take the sin of the world upon me. He that knew no sin became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. Moses was their Messiah at the time. He was willing to stand in between him, or them, excuse me, and the wrath of God. And he was willing. He said, Lord, if you can't, first of all, Lord, forgive them. We want you to forgive them. But if you can't, Lord, I'm willing to take their place. If someone has to die because of this grieve, grievous sin, I'm willing to take their place. Why? Because I have the heart of a father. What does Aaron do? He starts pointing the blame. Them, them, them. Excuse, excuse, lie. But Moses said, I'll take their place. That's the heart of a father. Sacrificial leadership. We see displayed here. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Are we willing to give our lives as fathers. Fortunately, it's not ask of us to literally give our life up to the grave, but are we willing to sacrifice our hopes, our dreams, whatever the Lord, are we willing to say, Lord, I surrender all that I have to what you want for me? If that means sacrificing me as an individual, that means sacrificing everything that I want. Lord, I'm willing to do that for the good of those around me. We've seen here what a type of father should be and one how they shouldn't be. We've seen one take full responsibility even when they weren't to blame. Moses didn't do anything wrong, yet he is willing to take it all on himself, just like Jesus did. 
and then the other who was fully to blame but took no responsibility, threw the children under the bus, said it was all them. So I ask you two questions today. What type of father will you be? What type of mother will you be? You may not have an opportunity to have biological children. You may feel that your biological children are so old that you really don't have a huge influence on their life anymore. So I encourage you within this community to find somebody else that you can mother or father. And the last question I'll ask you, and I would like you to answer by standing, who will be on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side today? Who's willing to stand and commit to say, I, I choose to be on the Lord's side? In the face of adversity, in the face of challenge, I choose, Lord, to be on your side. Lord, we're grateful for your word today, for your example. Lord, help us all to be an example of your truth, love, and kindness in the earth, Lord. Help us to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to seek out opportunities that we can share your fruit, just as we talked about on Wednesday, to give your fruit away to others, Lord. This world that's around us, it doesn't even know what true love is. Lord, help us to, to walk that out and exhibit it and give it away to them. Lord, it has no idea what, what even peace in their heart even, even remotely feels like. Lord, help us to give your peace away this week. Help us to look for opportunities to give that away. Lord, your hope, this world is hopeless. It doesn't have anywhere to turn. Lord, help us to look for opportunities to give your hope away. We thank you, Lord, for those appointed encounters in you. We ask, Lord, that you would just continue to give us strength. Continue, Lord, to give us a hunger for your word. By your spirit, open these things to us, O oh God. So grateful, so grateful today. And Lord, ultimately, on Father's Day, Lord, we say thank you. That you are a good, good father. You are good, oh God. You are good. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Happy Father's Day to you.